have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome again to the Believer's Journey. I'm so glad you've joined us today. We have a really, really interesting show, somewhat different than we've done before. Um, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy this. We call it From Death to Life. And as we talk today and uh, talk with our guests, you'll, you'll understand and see why. I want to mention before we get started that I really appreciate everybody's support, everybody's help. I, I appreciate all the writings the, that I get in from uh, different parts of the world. I must say, I know there's somebody that writes me every week uh, from the Philippines, and I need to mention that this last time I didn't answer because when I put it into my translate, it didn't come out right. So uh, I guess the words weren't all there. So I just wanted to mention that, that I do look at your uh, emails, I do look at your messages, and I do respond. And um, But I'm so glad you write and have questions and comments about all of this. And we do pray for all of you, every one of you who uh, watch the show and respond and tell us to pray for you. Anyway, um, my guest today is Chris Soto. And Chris is a, um, actually, I met Chris a couple years ago. A couple of years ago, I teach a class, and Chris kind of wandered in one day and sat down, and um, he wasn't silent, and uh, he's got his own mind and opinion and way to he wants to respond, and which is really cool because that's what I really like is interaction. And um, so, Chris, say hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was interesting because I didn't know if you really cared for me very much at first. Because uh, yeah, I, I sometimes can be a little bit opinionated. So um, yeah, but I was always willing to learn. I guess we got along. One <laughs> one of the things that I really enjoy that, that people once they get to know me is is that um, I like interaction and I like it when people literally will be in in my classes and raise their hand or say something like, I'm not sure I agree with what you're saying. Right. I love it. Because what it says to me is that they have one of two things. Either they've been taught what they've been taught and they're going to believe what they believe and nothing's going to change that because they went down that road of baptism or Nazarene and that's just all, they're not going to move from that. Right. Or it's saying to me that, they really study the scriptures and what you're saying is those kind of conflicts, but they really want to see what it's about. Right. And, and that's really was the case for myself because, you know, my past growing up the way I grew up, you know, growing up Mormon was very interesting. And then, and then reading scripture and understanding scripture and, and then the Holy Spirit really illuminating scripture. Um, it, it, yeah, you, you get real leery when things start, I guess, coming against what your understanding is. And you challenged me a lot and made me go back into scripture and, and evaluate, is that what it's saying or not? And, and that's why I really appreciated your class. I kept coming. Um, one thing I want to say, I've had a lot of people on my show that I think are pretty distinguished in society or in the world or the country. Have They're pretty high, whatever, have status. But I have one of the deepest respects for you of all people. Mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. want to tell you that. Because I appreciated the fact that you'll sit in class with a bunch of other people and say, I don't think I really can agree with what you're telling me. Right. And I'm saying, and I would say, what would I say? That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just search it out. And I think that that really shows me because I see you as somebody as a scripture searcher. Right. You know, that's why I have that respect. Because right. there's a lot of people, you know, that I know mm -hmm. that. They went to a certain college, they got taught a certain way, and they're not going to waver from that whatsoever because that's right. just what it is, and there's no really time to search the scriptures to see if it was actually accurate or not. Right. So uh, so I have a deep, deep respect for you. Thank you. Thank you. So That, that actually means a lot. It really does. So anyway, so let me let me tell my audience about you. Okay. Um, so Chris Soto, he has a, a deep love for God's people. And, and I think that's something I've seen true because how I see you interact and how I've heard about how you interact with people. And that, that's a real true statement. I like that. Um, especially those people 
that the world has given up on. Now, this is where we're going to get into this discussion today, but we're going to talk about the people who are the forgotten people, the very people that Jesus talked to because they were the forgotten people. He didn't go straight to the Pharisees and the scribes and and the leaders of the church or the synagogue and so forth and jump at their feet. Mm -hmm. He went to the people and spoke a lot to the people the forgotten people, and, and he lifted them up, and he healed them, and and uh, I mean, he even made the comment, why do I need to go to those who are well? It's the ones who are sick that need me, and I think that that's a really good thing, and I think you're in a really good presence. Thank you. You know. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, um, anyway, Chris uh, will tell you he's one of those people. Definitely. So, Definitely. But um, I can attest that God never gave up on him. Uh, First and foremost, Chris considers himself an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Yes. And and I think that's really good because I think we all need to recognize that as we live for Jesus, we're all ambassadors. We're all saints. We're all that which Jesus holds up as heirs, as as people he dearly loves and, and wants to us to become like him right so uh so chris has spent time in jail okay uh back in 2009 he was in bear county uh jail in san antonio texas and uh this is where he came to know and find jesus as his lord um it's also where god had planted a seed um, to bring hope to those that are already incarcerated who are also in jail uh, this is where it's really important that we understand and listen to this story because this is, I think, really a, a key factor and a, and a foundation of what we're going to jump from. Um, anyway, he he received this in his heart even when he was still in, in jail. So, Very I, much so. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's a huge thing too. So the difference was with Chris, uh, Chris was... As free as he can be, he was forgiven and he was redeemed. He is living proof that Jesus washes, sanctifies, and justifies by the Spirit of God. And I think this is um, huge. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. We have the scripture to go along with that, that God does that for us in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Um, Today, Chris is a member of the Brothers in White, uh, which was taken from Revelation 7.14. Its ministry uh, goes inside the walls of of jail, of prison. Prison. But for Chris, more importantly, it's a ministry that walks uh, side by side with the men, and I would imagine women too, who have been released from prison. Yeah, and their families, yes. Okay, so it's really, according to Chris, it's all about relationships. It's all about discipleship. And you and I have talked about discipleship, and I've explained to you how I feel and my irritation. (laughs) It's shared, trust me. (laughs) So so Chris began his journey in 2009. Uh, He's been involved in jail's ministry ever since. Now, really, it's interesting, too, you... you, um, you also volunteer at Church Under the Bridge in San Antonio, correct? Yes, I do. So we had a show. I don't know if you know this, but about mm-hmm. a couple months ago, Diane. we had the director. Diane was here on our show. Yeah. So on the Church Under the Bridge. Yeah, I saw that in the bio. I thought that yeah. was interesting. So, and that was a really neat show. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, Diane's a nice lady, though. She really, she loves the Lord. So they're doing great things at Church Under the Bridge. Yeah. And, they are. and I was directed toward Diane by another lady who, uh, named Angela. She's... Uh, been coming to my class now for two, three years, I think. And she uh, volunteers her time quite a bit at the Church Under Bridge. Okay. So, okay. and right now she's, uh, she she uh, comes to my class mostly on Zoom. I think she was there. I think she was there Sunday. I'm not sure. Okay. But, um, but she's a nurse. And, and so... Anyway, so Chris has brought our guest, Doug, and Doug is actually with him and, and works with him in uh, Brothers in Christ. But also, uh, Chris and Doug together are on a, on a board where they're planting a church, starting a church, 
Um, and so tell us about, number one, tell us about your ministry that, from the time you became a believer. And tell us about the, um, you know, the jail ministry. But tell us about the Brothers in White, and then we'll get into the church here. Sure. You guys are starting. Um, and like I said, in 2009, um, it was just a very stressful year. Um, getting locked up, not searching for the Lord whatsoever, not really even caring about anything to do with God or what have you. And, and, and God has an interesting way of getting your attention. And, uh, and, and once he has your attention, then he starts to just change and, and just, it, it, scripture tells you to read the word, you know, to not be conformed to the world, but renew your mind. And that's what you start doing. Um, that's what I started doing. I was just reading scripture. And uh, as I was reading scripture, the spirit of God just started to grow in my life. Um, I had no idea it was actually happening. Um, wife came to visit and she said there was something different about me. And uh, honestly, I just thought I was sober. I, cause I was so heavily into drugs before then. And, um, and <laughs> it, it, so it's, this relationship starts with the Lord and, and, and just kind of, walking it out and just spending time with him on a daily basis and getting around guys that are reading scriptures and just and that was really it it was very simple just reading the word and uh allowing the holy spirit to just continue to show things to you and um one of the greatest gifts he ever gave me was looking in the mirror and being able to forgive that guy um because of just a lot of hurt um in his life and and that he caused in others um the the way I fell in love, I guess, with prison ministry is I was in Atascosa County. I, I went to several different, I had a few cases in a few counties and uh, I got out of prison in one and left in handcuffs and went to go to another county and uh, started in prayer circles and just sitting down and reading scripture. That's all we were doing. Keep in mind, I don't know anything. I just know that Jesus loves me and he forgives you and we're going to read, we're going to read the Bible. And that's what we did. And, and we just read together. And I, I remember a brother coming up um, and just saying, you know what, man, I want what you have. I don't know what you have, but I want what you have. And in my inexperience, I told him, well, sleep on it. Let me know in the morning if that's what you still want. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I tell you what, that morning when I woke up, he was standing at the foot of my bed. He wow. said, dude, I want what you have. I don't know what it is. And, and so we prayed. And, and that right there started the love you know you're already living a life that that just reflects the lord because you, you live lightly is what i will say you know the, like my brother said the softest pillow you put your head on at night is the one of living in right standing with god and and that truly was where i was at and and truly what was going on even though i was incarcerated and so I'm in, I'm in a, a dorm with first timers. These guys have never been locked up before in their life. And, and here I've already got almost a year behind me. And so we get to start sitting down and we're studying scripture. And seven men got baptized out of that dorm and uh, gave their lives to the Lord. And, and, I, and I pray that they're still walking with him and, and doing well. Um, but it was just that, that, that joy that I had. You know, they, they wrote a note to my wife because we all got baptized in in the jail and uh, the note simply said we wanted to thank the woman uh, of the man that showed us jesus you know that that was that was the note that was just like wow you know you did that while i was here and uh and it was just the neatest thing it really was because uh, i couldn't see myself that way ever you know and uh and to have that kind of an impact, that God had that kind of an impact through me, uh, was really neat. And then, uh, you know, Brothers in White, it was one of those things that came about because, it, it, like it says, much much tribulation, they're clothed in white. We were clothed in white in prison, but we're also clothed in white in Christ. And as the blood washes and renews and, and like you talked about. Um, well, when I got out of prison, I came home alone. I didn't have a good support system. My whole family's, uh, I'll just say they're religious. I don't want to really get into it. Um, um, and a lost religion is what I'll say. Um, and I was just alone. And it was really difficult 
because I'm on fire. I'm, I'm you know, I'm living this carefree life. I, I've been renewed. Um, and then life happens. And then you try to go plug into a church and it was rough is what I'll say. You know, I, I love I love the body of Christ, um, but sometimes it's not too welcoming uh, for people that were in my situation coming home. And I understand, you know, people, they don't they don't know what to expect. They don't. I mean, you're a convict. So <laughs> um, it can be difficult. Um, and, and I wish I could tell you that I lived a right life and I've been walking victoriously the entire time. And that wasn't the case either. I, I did fall back into drugs for a very short time. And uh, thankfully, God was there to sustain me through that. And, and I had a compass, a true north that God kept calling me back to himself and calling me back to himself and calling me back to himself. And, and it was, it, you know, again, spending time with him, asking for forgiveness, getting up and, and saying, Lord, forgive me and strengthen me and give me the, the, the what I need to continue this life. And, uh, and then that's when Church Under the Bridge came into my life. You know, my church was just volunteering there quarterly and I wanted to get more involved. And, and so interestingly enough, I asked Diane, hey, how do I get more involved? And she said, just come with your church because they had so many volunteers at the time. And uh, I was like, no, that's not gonna work. And I was like, Lord, how do I do this? And so he told me to go wash dishes because nobody wants to wash dishes. And so that's what I did for six months. Every three days a week, I'd go wash dishes and just be there. But I was coming back from a life living like I had destroyed everything, right? I, I was back into sin and there's no way I can be of use and I disqualified myself. And then I go into a homeless church where people that are just as broken as me are in there worshiping God. And it just did something. Because now I'm not around perfect people, you know, yeah, I'm around broken people just like me and they're <clears> worshiping <throat> God just like me. You know, it's interesting. We have so many stories biblically, not not even outside the Bible, but even in the Bible. I mean, you look at the Joseph. I mean, he was in jail for mm. 13 years and uh, for something he didn't do. Yeah. And and you could tell that when he talked to the cupbearer about going back. You know, he had said, mention me. Yeah. Obviously, why is he saying that? Because he feels forgotten. Yeah. You know, he feels forgotten. Yeah. And you have the, the parable of Jesus when he talks about the, um, the father and the two sons. And you have the prodigal son who goes away and, and uh, comes back and there's joy. But the one who stays like, what's going on here? Wait, right. you know, I was better than him kind of. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like. You know, we see this. I, I think there's a lot of people that shun churches, shun Christianity, shun all this right. because there are people who shun them. Right. People who shun each other, people who look down. And, and I think that, you know, unfortunately, you know, for most of Christendom, at least in the United States and probably true everywhere, mm-hmm is that the unfortunate part is that we think we're better than anybody else if we haven't done anything illegal or wrong or bad. And that's where I think that we've got it wrong. Right. We've got it to- so totally wrong. And we need people like you who have been in jail. We need that because you know what the need is. Yeah. And that may not have been the most fun place to be in life but you know i believe that god uses people who've been in areas who understand those areas it doesn't mean that people should go out and go to jail to understand what it's like to (laughs) reach people i mean that's insane right but but because you're there and because god's giving you a heart there um i I think that that's really important because you know where it's at i mean i know that the church we went to we went to another church before yes um another guest on my show is ray jones and he had a whole group do prison ministries constantly he would all the time now i don't believe he ever spent time in jail but he obviously had a heart for those right and but that's rare right that's really really rare it is you know and um but those volunteers they don't understand how important they are and, and so anybody that is thinking about that or has a heart for it, even though they haven't experienced it, we love those men. 
Those men mean so much to us when they come behind the walls and they take time out of their lives to spend with us because it's not a rewarding ministry if you think about it in like like monetarily or whatever. This is because you have a heart for people and for broken people and, and people that, like you say, the world's kind of given up on. Yeah. And, you know, those people coming in, it's just phenomenal. Uh, it really is. Now, uh, most everybody knows I go to Moldo- Moldova a lot. Yeah. Okay, so that's my place of ministry. Yep. Um, travel there, love to go there. Talks about you all the time. And talk about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the people there. Yeah. But my point now is that uh, a few years ago, I went there, and I didn't know this, but they have a prison ministry. They have a, a, the, well, their their prison is kind of interesting. We drive by it when we go out of town, mm-hmm. and and it's like this uh, the wall, and it's got a little barbed wire on the top. And that's it, except for there's a bunch of broken glass. Oh, wow. So if you have to escape, you're going to cross this <laughs> this whole platform of broken glass. You know, they don't have guys with guns there. there. They have broken glass. <laughs> but the interesting thing was my wife was with me at this particular time we went. And so the ladies go to the prison ministry for the women and they ask my wife to go. And so now when she goes to Moldova with me, she goes to the prison ministry. Of course, she has to show ID. and I mean, it's really pretty strict. But these people, these missionaries in Moldova have that heart. It's not, like as you said, it's not monetarily benefiting. Right. But, you know, when it talks about us going before the seed of Jesus as our judgment, as a believer's judgment, mm-hmm. our works are going to be judged. Yes, they are. You know, and, and it says it's good, there are our works going to be tried by fire. Yeah. Um, and I believe that as we understand our works as benefiting the kingdom of God, those are the precious gems. Those, those are the things we do yeah. that will become gems, that right. will become our rewards as we enter. It's not the things we do, and then we make a lot of money for it. Right. That's just not it. Right. And I and I think there's a lot of world out there, at least like, at least in the United States, that look at it differently. Right. You know, they look at it more on the the money end of things, or the the look how great I am, look and they'll pat me on the back. Right. And really, that's not what God is looking at. No. And not like what He's looking for, He's looking for people who have a sincere heart to build His church. Right. And, and that's where Brothers in White came from because we were sitting in Joe and I unit. And it was a unit, it was a program unit where guys were coming home within six months. And as they're going to come home, I know the pitfalls that are waiting for them. You know, I tell them all the time, like, this is happening, this is coming, this is coming. He's going to attack all these different ways. Because, I mean, while we're there, we're, the walls are protection for us, really. I mean, yeah, it's protected. No, no, that keeps me safe from all the craziness out here. Um, and then you leave and you're exposed to all that. And, and it was, like you said, I I just know. And, and being alone and, and not having somebody to pick up the phone and call, hey, this is what's going on. You know, I, I talked to, I think, four or five guys just this week mm-hmm. from that group of men that we are constantly in communication. They were constantly encouraging one another where things are going on in my personal life that just had been one huge, humongous storm. And it worked for those men. You know, I mean, wow, where would I be? without someone to lean on and to walk with side by side through the journey, you know, of life, because it can be tough. You know, I do know, and this is kind of a little, a little side note, but it ref, it reflects something you said about forgiving yourself. Mm-hmm. I know that there are a lot of people out there, those who have not gone into jail or prison and those who have, uh, those who are addicted to drugs or alcohol, those who are not, uh, those who have had failed relationships um, that all struggle with the fact that am I worthy enough for God to forgive me? Right. And and I really have to believe that's a major issue in prison. Mm-hmm. I think because I think it's a major issue when I talk to people who are in the twelve step groups or in you know celebrate recovery or or working with these. They're a big thing is you know. Could, can God really forgive me? Right. You know, um, my own wife struggle. I don't know about now, but for a while there, she struggled with that very thing that, you know, does God even forget? Can he even forgive me? And here's a, here's a person who 
had to do it right every all her life. I mean, she said, if I knew you in high school, I wouldn't even ever want to do anything with you because <laughs> I was rowdy. I was rambunctious. Right. I was drank, you know, and I hung out with the wrong crowd. Wow. And she says, I wouldn't have anything to do with you because she was good. Right. So, and even of a person who was good, she struggled for years with being worthy enough for God to forgive her right. and, and love her. Right. And that's huge. Talk about that for a second. Um, well, it, it's Isaiah. You know, though, though our sin is, is red, it, it, it can be white as wool. It can be, you know, and, and like I said, that's the greatest gift God gave me was looking in the mirror and forgiving that person because that person... I know that person. I know myself inside out, backwards, forwards. And and it was, man, yeah. And and it was, that was a journey within itself. And, and I remember the day the chains fell off and the day that God wrapped his arms around me and said, you have been sanctified, you have been washed clean. You are a new creation. Old things are gone. Everything has become new. You're not the same old guy you used to be because I don't make good things. I don't make bad things good. I make dead things live. Yeah. And and that was the life change for me because it wasn't like I was trying to be the best me. Be the best you could be. No. I was... I, I, it was I was washed clean. You know? Clean. Yeah. Clean. That was, it. what greater gift can you give to anyone than to be able to say you're forgiven, you're clean? Yeah. I don't know. Um, so I have two questions for you. One is Brothers in White. So who are Brothers in White? How big is this organization? Um, Brothers in White is relatively new. Uh, like I said, it was, it was something we discussed prior to the prisons closing down last year. Uh, January, February, I think we started talking about it. Um, Brothers in White has members in Lubbock, has members in Victoria, uh, Fort Worth, um, and all over Texas. Um, God willing, it'll go nationwide. Because it, it, this is this is about, um, and the families too. This, this is all brothers that have, we kind of walked the road. We know the pitfalls. We understand you know, I went to Lubbock a couple of weeks ago because a brother was struggling and I just, I told him I'd be there for him. And that's important. If I tell you I'm going to do something, do it. It's just that simple. Don't, don't give me any fluff, you know? And, and at the same time, if I'm not in line, hold me accountable because that's, that's important. You know, it, it's, it, it's, we're in a war. There's a spiritual battle going on and, and we need to know that we have other soldiers that are going to walk with us and keep us and hold us. And, and, and I really think that's where Brothers and White came from. Yes, we go behind the walls to establish the relationships. And, and, and I humbly believe you have to spend time with people to get to know people. Right. But once you come home, well, now you have your family and now you have work and you have all sorts of different things coming. And, and it's like, hey, but this is what's going on. What do you think? You know, we've all been through it, you know, just. For instance, some things, again, happened yesterday, and I talked to four brothers yesterday. I called them, you know, and like, hey, this is what's going on, and, and what do you think? And, and pray for me. Please pray for me. Keep me lifted up. Make sure, you know, that, that my heart is right in this situation. Um, and it's important, and that's what it's all about. Um, and then learning to walk, you know, because it says walk in Ephesians, right? Walk, you, you're stumbling, and then walk. You're marching. Now I know how to walk. That's what Brothers in White's all about, um, learning how to walk, knowing how to walk, because recidivism is crazy. People come in, they bounce in and out of prison all day long. Um, and, and if you're not ready and you don't have a support group around you that's going to hold you up, and when you fall down, we're not going to encourage you to get back up when you've fallen down. It's okay to fall, but don't stay there. And don't spend any more time there than you have to. Get up. Get up. Get going again. Ask for forgiveness. God will restore you. You know, let it, let's go. Um, and, and that's my heart for Brothers in White um, tremendously. Um, yeah, I just, it, it, no one needs to walk alone. So uh, I understand you guys are starting a church. Yes. And where, where do we, do you have a location? Uh, yeah, northeast um, side of San Antonio. We, we're, we're looking at several locations now. Um, we're looking to have our doors open by the end of February. Um, we're doing a men's Bible study already on Saturdays. And um, we've got about 25 solid people who are involved. 
And um, uh, but the emphasis, strong emphasis, is on what Chris is doing. Um, um, I'm, you know, my background is is I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a Baptist minister, and um, um, I thought I had it all figured out. Um, broke my back, got hooked on painkillers, and ended up in prison for 16 years. And uh, that last six months uh, of my incarceration is where I met Chris, and um, we just. Um, hit it off from the beginning, uh, understanding that we both had the same heart. Um, for, 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 for my time, for 16 years, I, I really thought the first year that I was, my, my, my ministry was over. You know, I, I, I blew it. And, um, and God, you know, I'm, I just want to be the best Christian I can be now. You know, um, um, though, though, though God called me to pastor, um, you know, I just can't do that anymore. And then I came across Romans eleven twenty nine that says the gift and calling of God are our repentance, and um, and so I just began to pastor in prison and uh, do what he's doing here. I did in there just like he did, and um, and try to help men see that their location don't change their vocation, the color of their clothes don't change their calling or who they are. Their identity is not the number that TDCJ gave them. Their their identity is in Christ, Amen. and. Um, um, so that is the emphasis that our church is, is looking to, to have. Um, so many people are coming. There are hundreds of people getting out of prison every day, and many of them are coming to San Antonio. And um, uh, what we do when we go on the inside and what we're going to be doing out here uh, is going to directly affect uh, the community. And so the question uh, that, that, that our community needs to ask itself is, um, you know, do you not not do you want people to get out of prison because they're going to get out? What kind of person do you want in your neighborhood? Do you want someone who has been born again, spirit filled, and and is now trying to be a productive member of society through that life changing gift that he's been given through Christ? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so when you say there's 25, are these 25 men or are these the families uh, men, included? Men, men, women, families. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, for those of you watching, you can always go to our website at uh, the believer, www.thebelieversjourney.net. If you go to the guest area and you see Chris's picture there at the bottom, you'll see an email. And it is um, ministry, ministry at, at brothersandwhite.church. Okay. Yes. And so you can click on there and send an email if you have any kind of support. Let them know you're praying for them Please. or anything. That's all they really say they need is prayer. prayer they need yeah. they need your support and prayer, knowing that yes. you're there. And I think that's a huge part of, of anybody who's a believer, <clears throat> knowing that there's somebody out there that's on your side, somebody out there that cares about you. Um Unfortunately, the church today has evolved into something that uh, is not the church of yesterday. I mean, we think the church is a building or we think church is going to a building and singing songs, listening to a sermon and we're going to go home. Right. And but if you read Ephesians four, the church is about going and uplifting one another, sharing with another, building one another up, praying for one another. And this is the church to make the body strong and unified so that we can, you know, glorify and honor Jesus and go out into the world and be that pillar that exemplifies Jesus. Right. And that's what the church really, really is. Yes, an ambassador. You know, an ambassador. You're exactly right. So, so I understand, Doug. You're on the board for this church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, 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 I'm the uh, we senior pastor, and we all, we also have a um, a um, uh, chaplain that is very, very involved, and will be um, highly involved in in the preaching and teaching yes. uh, aspect of, of what we're doing. It's a good friend of ours, and and who opens doors for us to be able to get back in inside. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, I was a clerk for the guy that's his boss and um, which opens up about 19 units. We, San Antonio's in region four. Um, there's about 19 units in region four uh, that we are going to have access to, but COVID has got it closed down for us now. 
and yeah. um, uh, it's 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 very difficult. Um, I correspond with a lot of men, and I know you do too, that are still on the inside, yep. and uh, they are the guys that need prayer because they're not getting visited from families. They're not able to to have that um, uh, to look forward to on the weekends, and um, uh, it's very very difficult in there without having that interaction with your families. Those do that, that do get visits, yeah, and 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 those that don't get visits. The volunteers that come in are their family. That is their family. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so so it's very difficult on them right now. And soon, as it is for us. I understand soon you'll have a website that uh, people will be able to go yeah, to. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. W- within the next month, the website will be up. And, okay. And, I'll, and, 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 and Chris can get that to you. Yeah, and that'll be Abundant Grace Fellowship and Ministries. It will be the name of the actual church yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, the bro- the ministry at brothersandwhite.church is, is kind of our organization with Brothers and White. Uh Brother Troy helped set that up. Shout out to you, buddy. Um, it was, yeah, he's the brainchild. It was my heart, but he's the one guy with computer. What? Yeah. Website? <laughs> what do you think of this? And I was like, oh, wow, that's great. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So our topic today is from death to life. You gave me two scriptures that really mean a lot to you. And after I, and, and a lot of times I don't always read those scriptures, but I want to read these ones because they have such meaning and meat to them, I think, to a world of believers that may read a partial part of this and walk away with a partial part of it. And right. and there's some stuff in there, I think, that most of Christendom just closes their eyes to. Yep. I really do believe this, and this is why I'm here, because I have a problem with how we tend to receive our information or teach the information and walk away with, you know, a lack of information or incorrect information. There you got me. I'll, yeah. I mean, I remember you and I would stand in church. Did you hear what that pastor said? <laughs> yeah, I did. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. not good. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting around, I, you know, it's funny is even now, so a pastor will say something or a teacher will say something. I've got my phone. I'll, I'll look it up in the interlinear Greek. Yep. That's not That's what not that means. <laughs> and my wife is sitting there going, oh, Ellen, don't let people see you say, or hear you say that. You know? But um, but anyway, the first one is, is in Ephesians chapter 2. And we all read chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, you yep. know, and half of us forget about 10. But I want to yeah. read verses yeah. 1 through 10 yeah. because I think there's such – stuff there. And then yes. we're going to go to Isaiah okay. uh, right away. So okay. it says this in, in Ephesians 2, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we were once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires uh, of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And then he goes on. I like this. But God. Oh, and you tell me, this is your big, but God. Like, Ken Freeman, if you're watching, yeah. here you've got a brother here. <laughs> but God. And but that's God. his phrase, okay? That I just oh, plugged yeah. that in. Oh. <laughs> Uh, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in, in Christ Jesus. And, and that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that very last that very last verse in 10, the problem is, you know, we have the two sides. Oh, well, you know, we're not saved in works. And, it's, and they don't understand the, the whole idea of why Paul said this is that we're created for righteousness. Yeah. We can change those words of good works to righteousness because that basically means the same thing. 
You know, I think we use, Paul uses the word good works more than the Old Testament uses the word righteousness. We yeah. kind of yeah. interchange that. So, and then Isaiah chapter one, verses 18 and 20, um, <laughs> which is really cool. So, um, so hopefully you're, you're listening and watching and write these verses down as, as I read them. But anyway, it says this, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are like red crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, what did I say? It said, if you're willing and obedient, oh my word, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, it's interesting. I, I talk a lot on this show. I talk a lot in my class. I talk, teach a lot in, in the seminars about obedience. You know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word that a lot of Christians want to put away. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to follow that. Oh, I've been saved, and therefore I can. It's no big deal. I said, "Well, there's a lot about obedience. Obedience. Right. No, Jesus saves me. I'm okay. Do anything I want. Yeah. You know, and that's the the thinking. <clears throat> and yet, you go through the scriptures. If Jesus, if you love me, obey you'll obey me. I mean, He puts the two together as if it's in one corner. Yep. You know, and so kind of. But we want to push. A lot of people want to push that away, and it shouldn't be. Obedience is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so important. So I think it's so cool that we see here in these two passages what was dead and what God does and can do and will do yes. to bring alive. Yes. And your mm -hmm. stories, your lives are the very epitome of what was dead and Jesus coming around and bringing it to life. Amen. Amen. But that's just not your story. It's my story. It's everyone's story. It's Shemaiah, my producer's story. Yeah. It's your story out there in the entire world. If you're a believer in Jesus, you know, basically you were dead to sin. Yeah. And Jesus has brought you live. He's brought you and redeemed you into his life so that we can live with him eternally. Eternally. That is such good news, yes. big news, awesome. and it's it's something we need to adhere to. Uh, we need to get away from this. Oh, I said a prayer to uh, salvation, and therefore, uh, gee, I don't need to transform my life. I don't need to be uh, any different. Jesus accepted me the way I am, and I can live the way I am. And nothing needs to change, and I'm good for heaven. Yeah. And and the problem is the Bible doesn't teach any of that. No, not even the prayer. No. No, no. It's that easy to believe in them. You know, the yeah. prayer's okay. The yeah. prayer's fine. But if it's not followed up by a transformation of life or Jesus becoming Lord of your life, right. that prayer is worthless. Well, it's you're called to bear fruit, much fruit, more fruit. You know, it's, I mean, that's what you're called to do. Exactly. And you can't bear fruit if you're not being obedient. That's exactly, absolutely true. Yeah. And, and bearing fruit is, is the very order of what is happening in our lives. There's a, you know, and, and actually, if we look at what fruit is in the Bible, there's probably seven or eight different types of fruit, whether fruit of holiness, fruit of righteousness, right. fruit of the womb, the fruit of converts, fruit of the spirit. I mean, we have this fruit that we need to look at yeah. in all perspective. Right. And we need to take that on. I mean, obviously... The three of us, we don't have much of fruit of the womb, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but on all other all other levels, right. we have that fruit to to live by. I mean, the fruit of the spirit. What is that? Well, those are the characteristics of God, and then Paul says we need to walk in that, right. become that. So over and over again, the top Bible talks about becoming like Jesus, becoming like God, not becoming God, correct, but to live. In such a moral compass that we exemplify the very nature of what God is in our lives. And Alan, may I say um, also, you know, I, I've talked to so many guys, you know, uh, I, because I believe in eternal security. And, and um, you know, they would ask me, well, don't you believe in once saved, always saved? And, um, and, I, and I would tell them, yeah, I do, but I don't believe in once prayed, always saved. 
um, because it's not the prayer that saves you. Mm-hmm. You know, the prayer comes from the repentance and the, and the confession comes from the belief. And, you know, we talked about that yesterday on the phone, the belief being something totally different than what we look at it today in, in, in our culture. Yeah. And, and I've had discussions. I had a discussion with a, with a, a man that I, I knew for a very long time. And he felt because he prayed, and he was actually brought up in a Pentecostal church. So they, they have that holiness background where, right. you know, you can lose salvation. Right. And then he uh, went to a, a Baptist type church and all of a sudden he said the prayer and, the, and, but he felt it was okay to, you know, cheat people, steal, con people, right. you know, fool around on his spouse, do whatever he wanted to. Right. And because he was, saved by that prayer that God was going to enter him into heaven. I said, you can't believe that God is going to honor you for living in sin and thinking that that's okay. Right. You know, and, and I really, I mean, I really got my feathers ruffled, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and that's, but that's the hope for the church that, that I think God is birthing with us is, is because that easy believism that is taught in so many churches today you know uh, it's doing no one any justice and and that's something that i think we have a desire and a hope you know to teach life change and obedience and and, and, you know well yeah and and we've compromised there's so many areas and churches that have compromised christianity or they watered it down or they or they put in these false and deceiving doctrines you know god is love well, God is holy. No, God is not holy. God is love. Right. You know, the essence of God is love. Well, God says he's holy. Well, no, you got it wrong. I'm like, where is this coming from? They're right. they're eliminating scripture. Right. Yeah. And they're building on something that, and they want to blind themselves to the fact that God is holy. Right. You know, First, and where holy. love comes from, holiness. I mean, right. it's just, they're not there. It's interesting because in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I mean, most of us have heard this passage. That if anything is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things passed away. Behold, all things become new. If this wasn't part of the, the gospel story and the story of believers, it wouldn't be in the Bible to Correct. tell us. Correct. So when we become a believer, the very fact that we become a new creation— Romans 12, you know, one, that we don't be, you know, conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's all kinds of ways of changing our lives, changing our lifestyles, you know, forgiving others, forgiving ourselves, living in a way that we honor Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know. And how does that happen? By our devotion and making him Lord of our life. What does Lord of our life mean? That he is our master. master. We are the servant. We do what he says we obey Correct. him Correct. all that is part of the change of life right. and if we don't recognize that we're not recognizing the scripture and we're probably not reading our bible no yeah, and the churches are full of bad hermeneutics you, you know oh, yeah yeah you know I, I tell people all the time there's a verse in the bible that says that uh judas went out and hung himself and uh, another one that says go and do thou likewise and what thou do and there's another verse that says what thou do is do quickly yeah. you know I can put those three verses together and say you know Judas hung himself you need to do the same thing and you need to do it right now that's bad hermeneutics yeah. you know though it's in the Bible you know it, it it's it's just not it's not Bible well yeah and and even where you know you have the passage in John chapter 13 where in 34 and 35 where Jesus says I give you a new commandment that you love one another as yes. I have loved you yep. So that the world will know that you're my my disciples by the way you love one another. So when you talk, and then there's another passage, actually it kind of fits with that. When Paul's talking to husbands and wives, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So when you ask men, well, how how is it? Do you love one another as Christ loved the church? Oh, yeah, I, well, I die for them. Right. Really? I mean, so your way of loving your wife, your way of loving other believers is is that you'll go die for them. Well, that's not what happened. I mean, Jesus is talking to the disciples before he went to the cross, before he died on the cross. He's talking to them before that. So we have to dissect, well, how did Jesus love the church? Well, he spent time with them. He prayed with them. He prayed for them. He healed them. He fed them. 
He washed their feet. He served them. And this is the scripture that we need to hold to for husbands, for believers, to believers, all around the entire scope of what we call Christendom. And this is so important because we take these scriptures and we intersect what we want, what we think love is, and we put our own definition into this, and then we've we've messed up what the Bible's teaching us. Mm -hmm. And so what you're saying is exactly right. The hermeneutics, the teachings, the the opinions that they claim are actual facts in Scripture are not. They're doing the same thing the Pharisees did in 2000 years ago. Yeah, it's just no different. No different. So, um, anyway, going on, Luke 747 says something that's pretty interesting. He says, Jesus says, therefore, I say to you, her sins. Now, he's talking about the woman, mm. okay, right. who comes in and is weeping. And he basically says, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. And to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And and all of a sudden, he turns to her and he says, your sins go and your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees that are sitting there go, who is this guy who says he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Hello, there's your answer right there. You know? <laughs> and and so when when we talk as believers, we get this. Right. We really do. Not just in our understanding here, we get this in our being, in our guts. Right. Because we know what it is that God has forgiven us. And those who weep, those who cry because it touches our inner soul, like like you just did, is because God forgave an awful lot. Right. And he means so much to me mm. because of all the stuff I was and all that he has made me and forgiven me for. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. And it, this is in a world that that's seeking. And unfortunately, we have a world out there of people who are in positions that are leading astray. Yes. Yeah. And we need the truth out there. We need the accuracy out there. People People say to me sometimes, why is it so important to be accurate? Seriously? Right, right. Culture is living in hell. Exactly. And then you have the false teachings. I mean, our churches, trust me, our churches have been fed uh, interpretations of Scripture that may or may not be true. We've been fed interpretations that a lot of them are true. Right. But because we've heard them so much, we believe that they are true. Right. Right. And so... In my class, it's so funny. So when I start saying things that, you know, well, this is not true, you know, well, yeah, it is. No, it's not. Let's look up the scripture. You know, I've right. been, you know, I, I say this story quite often in, in, with people. And there's a pastor that would preach and say, well, the Bible says that Solomon was the wisest man in the history of the world. Well, no, the Bible doesn't say that. Well, where do we hear this? We hear it from Sunday school. We hear it from lay teachers that bring us. Now we have pastors teaching it. Right. And you go back to the scripture, and what does it say? That Solomon asked for wisdom, God blessed him with wisdom. And he blessed him with riches because he asked for wisdom. And people came from all over to hear his wisdom. Does it say the Bible says he's the wisest? No, it doesn't. In fact, Solomon lived a very foolish life. It was foolish to marry outside the faith. It was foolish to have them worship in the temple, their gods. It was foolish for him to worship other gods in the temple. This is not wise. But when we look at people who are wise in the Bible, let's go to Joseph. Guy who went to jail. Mm -hmm. He was probably one of the wisest men in the history of the world. Biblically, why? Because the Bible says in everything he did, was you know, he was blessed because he honored God. Oh, I mean, that was it. If Potiphar saw that he was a different guy, why? Because of honoring God. I mean, it, it's really amazing that when you look at these things, Daniel, of course, Daniel wrote the book of Daniel, right. but you don't see Daniel, you know, messing with sin and all this. So, yeah. you know, so it's just, what do we look for in wisdom? What do we look for in life? We look for that very sincere spirit that says i want jesus to be all of me yes i want to be all all in him and and i want to serve him regardless of where it takes me regardless of of where i am in life you know and i and this is why i have such a heart for the people in moldova the, the missionaries all over the world because they've said regardless of where you take me i will go right you know and it's pretty amazing 
in this um, in this uh, seminary that I go teach at in Moldova, they don't charge a uh, tuition, and really? they put them up in a housing free. However, they got to pay for their own meals. Okay. They have to be involved in a church ministry. And in the summertime, they have to go on mission trips. Hmm. And these mission trips can be dangerous. I right. mean, you're talking about Russia or Uzbekistan, places that are, you know, anti-Christian or they are pro-Muslim. Right. Yeah. And they're going to these places. And we're talking about, they're saying, you know, I'm whatever God wants of me, I will go there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really believe that whether you're in prison or whether you're outside of prison in your own prison. Exactly. Exactly. You know, mm. You're exactly. you're chained. Yes. Yeah. You're chained. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's. Yeah. 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 Because I, I that, that part of my prayer in, in, on the bio was that that God would reach those in prison. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, though, because the ones behind walls and the ones that aren't. There's a lot of people that we reach that are trapped in just different lives, whether it be depression, whether it's, I mean, there's so many different prisons that we put ourselves into. Yeah. Um, and and that, that God can just set us free from. Really can. Yeah. One of my most favorite songs is um, there uh, to break every chain. Yes. And yeah. it goes, chain there's break. power in the name of Jesus, Jesus. to break every chain. Yeah. And, and I think oh. that it doesn't matter where you are, where you're living, whether what country you're in, whether you're behind walls, not behind walls, wherever you're, what kind of home you're living in, you know, whether you're in an abusive situation, you need to know that Jesus is the power to break every chain. Every chain. I, I think that's so important that yes. all of us not only hear this, but understand it Amen. Amen. to our core. Amen. Well, it's when true life change begins. It is. It yeah. really it is. is. And, and you know, I know people uh, who will decide to follow Jesus, quote unquote, because they're in a bad situation. They get out of their bad situation and, well, maybe I was just feeling kind of emotional, or, yeah. you know, and then they go back to their old stuff. Yeah. I, my own brother, I have a brother who passed away some years ago and uh, of cancer. However, he was a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a heavy drug addict, and um, he would have problems. He'd end up in jail, then end up in a half house, you know. And he'd get clean of the. He'd have to get clean of the drugs. Get right. off. Get out of there. Yes. Go right back to the drugs. Yeah. I finally, after several years of this, I finally went to him and I, and I talked to him about getting off the drugs. And he says, "I really like the drugs." Yeah, yeah. It's, it you know, it's a, you say that because when you leave prison, when you walk out the walls, there's a big box right next to the door. And it's full of Bibles. It's full of Bibles of guys that went, appreciate you. I'm glad you had my back while I was here. And yeah. they just chunk it as they walk out the door. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, literally breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. Well, you know, as Jesus said, the, the road to destruction is wide. And, and you know, a lot of people are. And, and the road is narrowed. And if you find it. You know, there, there's another verse uh, I want to read. It's in Lamentations uh, chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I love the Old Testament. I really love the Old Testament. I think it's so rich in stuff, you know. But out of all, all this is a, there's a song. This has a song in it about this. But the verse goes like this. The Lord's acts of mercy indeed do not end. For his compassions... This is plural, by the way. You know, I had to look that up. Because yeah. we, we never... We say, my compassion for all of you. And it's like... We always use it as singular. So I had to look up the Hebrew, and believe it or not, it is plural. It is plural. So for his compassions do not fail, or as we sing in the song, they fail not. Okay? They they are new every morning, and it says, great is your faithfulness. You know, Jesus is all in all. You know, you and I have talked off and on about, let's say, discipleship. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, no matter who you are out there, no matter where you are, you need to be connected to somebody who's spiritually stronger than you are, that you can go to and and pray for you and guide you and help you. Pastors 
I know as a pastor, I know that pastors have other pastors as their mentors and disciples that they go to, to because you can't go to your congregation right. to say, hey, you know, help me. No, you go to other pastors and That's they right. pray for one another yeah. and they deal with that. So if pastors are doing this within, the people need to understand they need that too. We right. all need this. Right. We all need to be discipled. You know, it's just a blessing to have you guys here. It, it really oh, is. It's a pleasure. It's very humbling. It, it, Doug, it, it's a, a blessing meeting you. You too, my brother. And uh, Thank, Chris, you you are you are my dear friend. I, I want you to tell you that that yeah. you mean so much to me. I am so honored that you come onto my show. Yeah. Um, I I know your story, and I know where you're. I don't know what's ahead of you, that's but okay. he's already there. You know, when you come from a background that's, as you said, I come from a Mormon background where I felt lied to, and it's like you know I'm not going to take anybody's word just because they tell that's me. Exactly right. That that's huge. You know, that's yeah, where that's I came crazy. from when I when I was in. A, well, yeah, when I was in the church and I was asking questions, you know, and they're telling me, well, the Bible says, and I come out and read it. It doesn't say this. Now, I'm the same way. Yep. I am the same way. It's like, I can't believe just because you tell me. It drives my wife nuts. Yeah. Don't you believe me? <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> you know, you know got to be careful that, yeah, I guess. Well, be careful. But anyway, I'm glad you guys came. I, so I bless you uh, bless again you. to all, everyone watching this. If you go to my website, uh, Send an email. Click on that and send an email to to these guys and tell them you're praying for them. And, Please. And uh, they need your prayers. They need yes, your support. Yes. Um, and uh, I'm almost positive they'll probably respond back yeah, to you. So anyway, everybody, you have a wonderful week. Bless you and aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.